Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the first of our two spoiler special podcasts for The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. If you want to hear four Empire journalists nattering away about the concluding chapter in Peter Jackson's Hobbit saga, then you have to wait a couple of days and we will have the second spoiler special out. I will also include an interview with Richard Armitage, who plays Thorn Oakenshield, so do listen for that. In the meantime... This podcast is dedicated to the co-writer of The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, the two previous films, and indeed the Lord of the Rings trilogy as well, Philippa Boyens. She came to London recently and she spoke to two of our biggest Lord of the Rings experts, Helen O'Hara and the guy who's been a set of every Rings movie, bar the Fellowship of the Ring, Ian Nathan. Do enjoy. But of course, as ever, an addendum, this is a spoiler special. A spoiler special. So if you haven't seen The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, or if you haven't read the book, then do so. And then come back, because believe me, they delve into deep, deep third act territory. Do enjoy. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to be here. So this is, a, I think it's fair to say, a pretty faithful adaptation of the third third of the book. We're going to talk, I guess, anyway, about, you know, what, what changes you had to make, what, mm-hmm. you know, what, what was different, what was new. One thing that immediately leapt out at me, quite literally, the giant weirworms. Is Peter a Dune fan? Is that where that came from? No, actually, you know what? Um, for the true geeks out there, there is a uh, they come from Bilbo Baggins um, and the very first chapter of The Hobbit. And um, when we were discussing the... Um, because we what we didn't want uh, was to repeat ourselves, obviously. And, you know, it's another battle scene. Helm's Deep, you had the orcs marching on Helm's Deep and, you know, that incredibly tense standoff. Palinor Fields, the Battle of Palinor Fields was coming for like 40 minutes before it actually happened. You know, you yeah. know, Pete wanted to do something very, very different. He wanted this to, to, and I have to say, we are being faithful to the book here because the orcs do come upon them out of nowhere. Yeah. And in the book, it's described as they burst out of the wastelands and they come from the earth. And then when we were talking about this, I said, you know, because that is slightly strange. It presupposes giant tunnels up in the thing, you know. Mm. And I said, well, you know, there were giant weirworms, of course, referenced at the very beginning. So that's where they came from. So they actually are from Professor Tolkien. It was a liberty, though, having said that. But I like that uh, we're kind of teasing the fans when we when we have the, the um, orc Azog reference, the Earth Eaters, yeah. the giant Earth Eaters. I mean, it's such a huge battle scene. You've got so many kind of moments going on with a particular bits that you wanted to kind of pull out. Because obviously in the book, you know, Bilbo's unconscious for most of it really um which there's a nod to here but with a particular you know when 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 it came to making the battle i guess you had more free reign than than normally is the case yeah uh well absolutely i mean we definitely no actually you know we did actually look at that structurally now that i think about it we did actually look about is is that possibly a way to tell this um there's a procession in the book isn't it yes one thing happens followed by the next he he yeah and he's knocked out and comes to and then understands what has happened and you know we felt you know ultimately you understand that you can't do that on film um so we do knock him out and things do keep going but it's not received after the fact and one of the earliest changes that i felt really strongly about even though we tried it both ways we wrote originally we did write a scene where bilbo came to to Thorin as he does in the book and I said this is wrong it should be a death scene on a battlefield mm. and you know it's even people who know the book really well forget that that doesn't happen that way and yet it feels so right I yeah. think because that's the difference between prose and filmmaking there needs to be an immediacy to it 
Um, and having, you know, Gandalf come and find Bilbo and then take him off to see Thorin and Thorin's lying on his deathbed just would have just killed that moment, I think. In terms of film, it plays so differently. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, I mean, in terms of the battle, which was really interesting, in the book they say that the dwarves from the mountain help turn the tide. Yes. But it's kind of hard to imagine how that would be the case with well, 13 yeah. men. <laughs> I, you know, you know, them, yes. Well, that's right. There were certain unanswered questions and I think it was the nature and the very incredibly organic way in which uh, Professor Tolkien wrote these stories. Let's face it, he introduces the character who kills the dragon five minutes before he does yeah. it, which, you know, is, I mean, I'm sorry and I, I you know, I, I'm his biggest fan but that was, you know, you can't do that on film. So we spend a lot of time setting up Bard and I think most people have accepted that that was the right the right choice and thing to do but interestingly enough in terms of what you're talking about um yeah I I think you know Pete has he's not interested number one in repeating himself and number two he always wants things to be driven by character you know character 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 so you and you know I mean you know constantly you're thinking people are only going to care about this battle this war story as much as they care about the characters and you know the people that it's happening to so that we always had that kept that in mind and tried to balance that out um but also a lot of people it was really surprising even people who love the book mm-hmm. have forgotten how tragic the ending is yeah, yeah. they have forgotten that um but we always knew it and we always saw that coming and we were always trying to shape. That's why it felt right to break this chunk off um, and, and, and to move towards that darker tone of, of The Lord of the Rings, which I think this film does do. But also I remember finding very much in, in, in um, the appendices of The Lord of the Rings uh, a, a moment when uh, Gandalf talks to, I think it's, it could be Merry and Pippin or Frodo, to the hobbits, and he reminds them of how very different things would have gone but for the courage shown that day in front of the gates of Erebor Mm. but for the courage of those dwarves and those men and those elves who stood if that mountain had been taken if Smaug had not been killed the outcome for the rest of the story meaning the Lord of the Rings would have been very, very different It's quite an interesting point Mm. I think Richard Armitage asked the magazine this this. What, what is Sauron's plan with Smaug, you know. Well, Has he got one? Are they in cahoots? Are they not? Are yes, they? We, we played with that. We played with that. That um, what, what he says, again, in the appendices is that, um, you know, the, the notion of a dragon at the head of a, a giant army of orcs um, is a terrible thing. We, and we actually have Gandalf referencing that. Mm. You know, a dragon could be used to terrible effect. Now, I think ultimately, um, because we know that, that they were the creations of Malkor, who, who Sauron is, is a servant of, you know, an even older, more ancient, greater evil. We're going you know. deep talking now, aren't we? Yeah, going we are. We are. We're going deep, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I need Stephen Colby. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, no, I think, I think basically uh, Sauron would have used him if he could have. And I think just in terms of his greed and his innate psychopathy, um, which I think is what Benedict like playing with and being informed by is that you you can see it in Ben's performance and he asked that question himself: How much does he know? Mm-hmm. How much is he enjoying toying, you know, yeah. with this little hobbit? And we do set it up in that conversation between Smaug and Bilbo, and he says, you know, you, you know, Thorin Oakenshield has no idea what's coming. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
So you're, I'm, we're assuming an alliance between Smaug and a potential alliance between him and <laughs> Can Sauron. I ask about Benedict's other role, the necromancer? Mm. And it's another kind of problem Tolkien rather presents here is that in a way you don't want the necromancer ridded or got rid of no. before the battle's done. No. Because, you know, he's the big bad, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's the phantom menace. I yeah. Well. You know, yeah, how did, you know, did you ever think about running those two stories more parallel? I know there's the Gandalf geography problem. Yeah. But, you know. I can tell you when I read Harry Potter and I, un- I read the Deathly Hallows, I was like, oh, no, damn. Because that, to me, is actually what Sauron was doing. He was trying to find his way back to take physical form. And um, and it was like, ah, oh, damn it. You know, because she wrote it so brilliantly. <laughs> But it was it was what I think we would have done more strongly yeah. and 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 pushed that harder that that in my mind if we'd ever had to do you know the the uh, the the Dolgaldore, that's what it was about his his attempt to return to physical form what Galadriel does when she takes him on is she, and she what we've done and we sort of sort of drawn on what we imagine Professor Tolkien was was doing with these characters is she expends a lot of her power mm. in banishing him from Doggle Door. So when you meet her in the Lord of the Rings, she's she's diminished. She says that, you know, yeah. I, I will diminish yeah, you into the West. Go into the West. Um, I, I was geeking out at having the three elf rings yeah. together. That yeah. Was really Did you like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll like the extended cut then because there's more of that ah. and it's pretty cool. Yeah. In fact, the ring will play much more strongly in the extended cuts. Yeah. I mean, how how important was it to sort of like build up those little touches of kind of I wouldn't call it it's those dragon sickness, kind of ring sickness. Yeah. For for Bilbo, because you know already there's the sort of the shadow, I guess. Hanging yeah. Over him a little bit. That was Fran. I have to say, Fran Walsh is such so clever. Such such a. Uh, she, I hope she listens to this. <laughs> no, I have to make her. No, but she is. She she has this great expression when we're writing. She will she'll turn to me and we'll have just done something, and I'll go, "What do you reckon?" And she'll go, "I really like it, but if we were really clever," and I say, "What?" As opposed to being deeply stupid, which is <laughs> what we think we are. Um, but if we were really clever, and I think she was really clever with this, is that we didn't want the multiple endings, which of which we were accused of for Lord of the Rings, that the, the best way to do that is the story isn't over. And so that moment when he lies to Gandalf, oh, I lost that ring. Mm. Um, and that was a little homage to the fact that we know that he never really fully told the truth of because he felt guilt and he also felt paranoid about you know this is Bilbo I'm talking about his ownership of the ring so we wanted to layer that in so that that moment when he opens and that was brilliantly played by Martin when he opens one eye and looks down in it and that little smile cutting to Sir Ian Holm you know with it in his hand uh yeah it, it was very deliberate sort of thing that you wanted to do where you're saying he's made it home but what has he brought with him yeah yeah because it's sort of echoed, isn't it, by the Arkenstone? Yes. Because that carries with it a cost and a psychological yeah. damage. Yeah. But I always wonder, what is the power in we had the Arkenstone? To, well, what we had to be really careful about that because yeah. there's too many goddamn talismans. <laughs> I can say fucking talismans. There's too many fucking talismans in this. Sorry, no offence. But, you know, like, again, I'm a real Tolkien fan, but Jesus, it doesn't make it easy when you're a screenwriter and you've got all these 
trinkets, you know. Yeah, yeah. So what we did with the Arkenstone was we, instead of imbuing it with actual power as the ring has, we tried to imbue it with symbolism. And the symbolism is, as he says in Brie, you know, that they swore an oath. So basically, if he can retrieve that stone, we made this up. It was just yeah. a way of making it important because it needed more weight. You can't just send Bilbo in down in there to, to retrieve gold cups and things like that. You know, there needed to be a purpose. And the Arkenstone was about this belief that if he could retrieve this, the, the other seven dwarf families had sworn an oath to he who wields the Arkenstone, meaning that this is the true descendant of Durin, you know, that as, as we saw it. But what happens to Thorin is it becomes more than that, and that is about the dragon's sickness. Mm. And... We totally ripped off Shakespeare with Balin's line and only someone like Ken Stott, who's so brilliant, could deliver it when he says, the Arkenstone, that jewel crowns all. It is It crowns all in this, in this great mass of, of treasure mm. in Thorin's mind. Without it, it's not complete. And we very deliberately wanted to do that, that avarice where you cannot part with a single coin not one piece of it and we deliberately wanted that line shared by Smaug and by Thorin and Richard actually watched listened to came and heard um Ben recording that line because he wanted to hear how he did it right and just get the same kind of intonation yeah and he, and that's and you can see him with his head swinging you know the yeah, the, yeah. the serpentine and the s the sibilant s in there and uh yeah wow yeah. something for people to look out yeah for look out for when he does that yeah and the horror on um on bilbo's face when he hears those words coming out of his mouth but that's about a special kind of greed and it is that's that line and that's when i i tried to sum it up when he says beyond sorrow and grief gold beyond sorrow and grief which to him means it is worth every life that we spend, you know, and this yeah. is what he says to Dwalin. And we weren't trying to be thematic there. We weren't trying to, you know, hammer home a message. It was more about creating interesting moments in the storytelling and interesting moments for the character. And I love that when Dwalin c- finally confronts this man whom he loves and he, whom he is only his brother, you know, in essence – like what the fuck are you doing? Are we not going to go out there and fight? Are we truly going to? And 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 Thorin's answer is, we've got to save the gold. This halls, deeper halls. We we got to move the gold. We've got to save the gold. And and um and then that incredible bit that Pete did with 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 him almost being consumed by it. Mm. Fascinating scene to shoot for the star sort of being pulled down a ramp. Yeah. on ropes and so on. Poor bastard. We did so, <laughs> we did so many cool things to that guy. Did you ever? You say you didn't deliberately make it thematic, mm. but I think people will read a bit of real politic into it yeah. because it is so anti-greed. The greed corrupts, yeah. and yeah. even Alfred is this kind of yeah, we love, cowardly. But yeah, yeah he hoards isn't he brilliant? Money, so. I loved writing him. He was my favourite. You know. But it was funny because some people questioned that scene, you know, where he's stuffing his boobies full of gold. Now that, but it serves, <laughs> but it serves. A, 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 a per, I had an argument actually. It would be interesting yeah. that I think British people kind of like Alfred and got him a lot more than Americans did. I don't know whether it's particularly a sort of Dickensian sort yeah, of nature. Yeah, there is an element of that. But it's yeah. also broader 
but broader in an appropriate way because sometimes the broad comedy, there's actual real cutting satire and truth in it. And what we wanted to do with, with him is that moment when he's stuffing his fake boobs full of gold is what he's, he, what he's saying to Bard is, you could have had it all, but you threw it away. You could have had real power. You could have had this, but did you take advantage? No, you didn't. Yeah. And what, you, what we were trying to say there in that, comic moment is that that's actually how a lot of people work mm. you know that's what they're pursuing is 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 the power that gold gives you is the the you know wealth doesn't just give i mean you see the funny thing is thorin thorin had innate power and what happened with the dragon sickness is that he had gold for its own sake which is an obscenity that's a different kind of greed. What 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 Alfred's talking about is what you can buy, and how you can buy people, and how you can buy power. And you know, mm. I wonder if he goes and moves to Rohan and changes his name to Warwick. Ah. <laughs> oh my God! That, yeah. Do you know what yeah. you're right? Actually, because I did think afterwards, I thought, Oh God, did we just rewrite Worm Tongue? No, but <laughs> he's, he's a different character. Yeah. But there, there's certainly an element of. Do you know who how we originally wrote him as? Um, we originally wrote him, we saw Alfred, when we realised... The reason we wrote an Alfred character was because um, uh, we wanted the master to have an offsider so he could have these conversations. And most of those conversations are the ones that you see in the extended cut of Desolation of Smell. Um, Poppycock, as <laughs> Stephen Fry so brilliantly um, uh, performed it. We wanted an offsider for the master, and we saw the master as this you know, wonderfully venal character. Um, but what happened in the and so what we actually wrote initially was a very much a yes prime minister type character, you know, the Nigel Hawthorne <laughs> yeah. character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. quite actually disgusted with the venality of him, um, you know, very interested in, in machinations and and and, but a little bit more, um, you know, Game of Thrones sort of, um, not Game of Thrones, uh, um, you know, uh, to play the king, you know, the yeah. House, uh, of House, House of Cards, House of Cards, slightly more politic, you know, all about the politics. And so that's how we originally wrote him. Um, and then what happened was we saw Ryan Gage audition and he was just so brilliant that suddenly Alfred became slightly more Dickensian there. <laughs> Can I ask about Azog? Yes. And how smart he is. Because I think, uh, I haven't read the books, you come across the orcs are kind of, you know, the ground people yeah. and they don't really show a great deal of intuitive yeah. qualities, as it were, you know. But he really, clearly here he's a general... Yes. And quite smart. Well, yes. Well, I think yeah. it's what informs him, what he's created yeah. from. And, um, you know, there's that expression that Tolkien came up with, reckless hate, this reckless hate. Um, and uh, he's a pure psychopath, I, I think. And so when you say smart, I would say cunning. Because mm. obviously he's, he's on a, you know, he's got a master and he's got instructions mm. and yeah, and he controls the battle with yeah. a great deal of aplomb actually for a lot yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. I think I think there is a will there that is uh, counter to what, we, what what I thought Professor Tolkien's was writing about, which is the only way we're going to survive is through our decency and humanity, and count in you. And that is countered by reckless hate. I remember always, I've always kept in mind the Robert Frost poem "Fire and Ice," when he says, "You know, I think I know enough of um, hate 
to say that ice is also great and would suffice. Mm. You know, so, I mean, that's actually a perfect poem for The Hobbit because he's talking about the desire, which is referenced by fire, and then that's like Smaug, and then the ice, which is the, when, you know, the battle on the ice field, and that's a cold, hard hate. And as ever, J.R.R. Tolkien got that before Game of Thrones. Yes. The other battle of fire and ice. Also, is it more, on a more humorous sense, Bolg is his son, right? Yes, but Do we couldn't they, say we didn't want the father-son thing. But is there a mother? Well, that's right. No, <laughs> no, supposedly not. I mean, that was you know that's one of the things where you just fudge it. You just kind of go, well, let's not go there. Um, um, so we call him his spawn. There's some so kind of weird biology has gone weird, on. It's a weird. It's you don't even want to think about how they procreate. And, and pretty much by definition, there's no love loss between them anyway. So exactly. No, 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 no. There's no, yeah. There's no father son kind of, yeah. No bonding moments. Not a lot. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask a, a couple of things that that aren't well. Um, possibly I missed something, but weren't clear to mm. me. Um, first of all, when exactly did Gandalf know about the ring? Has he known since Moria? Well, in the, in the Lord of the Rings, he 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 knows quite early on. Um, uh, you know, once Bilbo, and but he always assumes. That it is a trinket, and and you you know um, he says in 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 the Lord of the Rings, you know there are many magic rings in this yeah. world, and we repeated that because we felt we needed to. Because why doesn't he get a sense? Because he doesn't get a sense because it was destroyed. We imagined lost, gone, um, and 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 that was. But I mean, you know, to be honest, it's a kind of great weakness in the storytelling in some ways. But it does give you fallibility in the in the character yeah, of Gandalf, yeah. and you know we we see that play out. Because yeah. he doesn't really tie the rise again of Sauron. No, with the rings kind the of the ring coming into the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Gandalf's not that smart <laughs> after all. It turns out. <laughs> um, and then a couple of things that sort of are again referenced at the end of the book, but they they kind of happen off screen here. I'm guessing, hoping we'll see them in the extended edition, but. You know, Dane, Bard, and their sort of ongoing honours and so on. We didn't really see those at the end of the film. No, I guess yes, it wasn't their story the, yes, you will see that. Yes, yeah. you will. You will. Um, uh, definitely, certainly with Dane, um, uh, because he inherits a kingdom. And there's some lovely scenes there. In fact, a beautiful scene between Billy and uh, Martin Freeman. Oh, great. Saying goodbye. So, yeah, hopefully Pete sticks it in. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bard had so much more to do this time. Um, for the same reasons you said, you know, you can't have him yeah. show up, kill the dragon, and yeah. you know, never be heard from again. Well, I think what was great about Bard is you see someone being a natural leader, and then you see Thorin losing his shit, and you know, and getting more and more paranoid, and 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 uh, imagining that you know that his right to rule is derived from a bauble, you know, like you know, whereas. What Dwalin's saying is actually what Bard is showing, which is natural leadership, is that there's people that you want to you want to follow, and it's interesting because you do. I find that with politics nowadays, especially, you know, the notion of leadership is almost gone, really, because like it's it, with with social media, with the way that you get, you know, like you get um, the way that politicians have to play with publicity and you know it's, it's like a chess game yeah. but we're seeing behind this all been the curtains been lifted and everything the actual notion of leadership has almost vanished and i i don't know if i want to be led 
you know, <laughs> and do we want to be led? And then you think, well, yeah, I think I would if, you know, you sort of yearn for the notion of being able to follow someone um, and and think, wow, this person's the right person to be doing this job and I'm really glad they're there and it makes me feel better, you know. Well, if Thorin's breakdown had been on mm. Twitter and then the dwarves yeah, outside yeah, yeah. wouldn't have Tweeting. followed him. Yeah, 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 tweeting. him or something, I don't know. Totally unfriended, <laughs> that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to ask about, just very quickly, sorry, is, is um, Gandabar. Yes. Gandabar. Because it's not, I mean, I... Bear, I don't remember that. I've read the appendices. I've read mm. the Summerillion. I did. Have to you look looking it up for that? Yeah. Were you thinking about? Are you going to ask about the mother? No. No. I no, was Randall's mother. Oh, I was just, oh. you know. I mean, uh, Legolas's <laughs> mother. Sorry. Legolas, well, yeah. Oh, actually, mm. that's a good question. I did mm. have Legolas down as a subject, mm. but um, but yeah, no. Just I mean, it, it isn't the the most well known Middle Earth locale. I think it's fair to say, but it was it just a matter of again tying it back into the, the well, Lord of the Rings a little bit. Well, again, you know, just like the werewolves, actually, it's 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 actually set up in the Hobbit. You mm. know, that's where the other army comes from, marches down from Gundabad, and it it was the gateway to the great. You know, there is uh, a, you know, the fact that that kingdom has, that fortress is, is again, full of orcs is not a good sign, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and if that kingdom should rise again, the kingdom of Angmar, then, you know, Rivendell's pretty much screwed. You know, the Shire will yeah. be gone. You know, all of those things that over this, this you know, since the, um, since the last alliance had, you know, managed to achieve a certain level of peace in the world that would be wiped out and and a you know um a holocaust would probably follow wow. um speaking back to legolas a little bit or uh, actually sideways to tariel i think a lot of people thought that you were introducing this new character essentially in order to kill her at the end <laughs> yeah um and and possibly radagast as well because we don't hear much from him i don't mm. think you can kill radagast oh no way. <laughs> you can't. well He's you know you can't no the five wizards no 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 well keep them intact the Ashtari, yeah no <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, was was there any discussion of, of of either of them, you know, meeting sticky ends, or was it, you know, did you always want to keep them? No, because we always knew she she was linked to Keeley, mm -hmm. so I don't think. I mean, we did know that's not true. Of course, we talked about it, but we quickly said no. It's too easy to do that. Having said that, I did think retrospectively that young women, maybe especially. Um, coming to the film, starting with the first Hobbit film, going mm. all the way through, we'll miss her in. Um, but then you get to meet yeah. Arwen, so yeah. maybe all will be forgiven. <laughs> so yeah. It all works out. And if yeah. Radagast did die, would he come back as Radagast the Grey? <laughs> would he go one step up? He'd, you know, he'd die. Right, he's... <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't Kung know. Fu or something, it's a brown belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting there to white, Radagast the white. <laughs> that would be an amazing plan. <laughs> Legolas's mum then? Yeah. Is she an orc? Because we know that they're... No, know. no, no. Um, what the... Uh, well, we know that the the elves went to war on mm -hmm. Gundabad at one stage on the North King, Northern Kingdom. And what we what we wanted to do, and it's a backstory, and we actually wrote scenes with more of her in there, so it'll be interesting to see if Pete puts them in the extended cut, but more references to... What we, what we wanted was Thranduil's character um, is... And his reasons for coming to the mountain is slightly less than honourable. Um, and although we wanted, you know, the, we wanted to to surprise the audience with Thranduil at the end, which is that, uh, and, and the notion that we played with is that those gems were the last thing that he had of his wife. Right. You know, they were being made for her, and when he lost her, and that um, that. Uh, 
we always said, you know, and we, we even talked about maybe doing a flashback, but we we never did. It was just too much, you know, bridge too far. But then, but that he never talks about her because when he says to her, what do you, he says to Taria, what do you know of love? That's not coming from someone. She says there's no love in you. She's actually utterly wrong. He has loved so deeply that he can't go near it anymore. He yeah. can't broach it. He can't touch it. It is not to be talked about. And so when he finally says to Legolas, your mother loved you more than anything, more than life, that's what we said to the actor in that moment is she died saving her child. Right. So that's that That was the conceit that we, we thought. So when you see Legolas staring at this place, you know, and yet he knows so very little, little about his mother and what happened. We thought, well, that's quite powerful. That's quite a powerful piece of storytelling. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's not necessarily in the films, but it helped inform the actors. Yeah, yeah. you you did get that thing from Thranduil. Yeah, moment. you got and you got an element yeah. of almost reconciliation between the yeah. two of them, which was nice. But so Legolas goes off on his own. Yes. Um, but we do see him, he appears to be like a, a, a sort of an emissary or an ambassador of the Woodland Elves by the time of the Council of Elrond. So presumably there is a reconciliation. Oh, yes, the, he does because he brings Gollum. He goes, yeah. he, he finally met. We wanted, yeah. I wanted to set up the meeting with him and Aragorn because right. they go hunting for Gollum. So, so, so they do. So that was a very yeah. deliberate yeah. set up on. Was on it easy to balance that kind of stuff, the connective tissue? Now, that's the know. fun bit, yeah. writing, that, that bit um, writing that bit was really fun. Being able to Saruman going, leave him to me. Leave you him go, That's to me. No good. Don't leave and him then, to me. And then Thranduil saying to his son, you should go north yeah. as a ranger. You know, it's just like, it's one for the fans. We, were, we were laughing in the office. Why doesn't anyone listen to Elrond? Yeah. Elrond gets it right. No, we should yeah, deal yeah, with yeah. this right now and sort yeah. it all out. Let's you know? do it, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. Sauron to me. I've got it. <laughs> I've got this, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good to see Saruman in action as well. Like, yeah. Just really fierce top of his game yep. but still fighting with the good guys that was, yeah. uh, that was a nice place uh, such an honour working with Chris Lee who he, he we had a running gag because he always would say um, um, always still continues to say Sir Christopher does uh, I won't be around Philippa to see the film so you know and I was like of course you we're going to outlive all of us I think <laughs> still be here, so it's wonderful know. that he is and, and um, that was great wasn't he you know he no is, sign of wonderful. the aging you know he was no, really powerful and he's such a handsome man yeah he's such a speaking yeah. of handsomeness I have one uh, quick final yes. question um, why do only handsome dwarves get killed I know killed all the Seems, hot dwarves yeah well, I don't know. What are you trying to Depends say? You're trying to say, dwarf, really, yes, it does. Yeah. What are you saying? You're not a bomber is of a certain exactly. kind. They're very attractive, exactly. Man. And to dwarf women, apparently, very attractive to dwarf women. <laughs> really? Yes. Bomber, bomber's got fourteen children. We decided, and <laughs> but um, uh, well, that's a tragedy, isn't it? Yeah. Was there ever the temptation to give poor Bomber a line? Just a goodbye? He, or a... I'm not going to say anything, but uh-huh. you do need to watch the extended cut. Okay. Oh, that is a spoiler. It's a Bomber. Sorry, spoiler. And, and what, apart from a very long rest, what's next for you? Been doing a few little things, which are quite fun. Um, uh, but I think a rest is due, only because uh, I think at some stage you just need to you know, recharge your batteries and, um, but it does feel weird that I'm not going to write the words elf or <laughs> orc or hobbit. Can you go back again. and at any point just read the books again? 
without having no, to sort I of start. No, I can't. I lost. I, I know. Very true. It's. I mean, not you know, not asking for pity or anything because it's been an absolute privilege and absolute like dream. You know, it's just a dream to have been able to do this. But I have lost the books. They, you know, I have lost them because I can't anymore. And I did. I did feel. I felt that actually because it was my escape. It is where I used to go. So I've had to go and find other things. <laughs> oh, thank you Brilliant. very much. And that's it for our first to hop at the Battle of the Five Armies spoiler special. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Philippa Boynes. Don't forget, in a couple of days' time, the second spoiler special will be up, including an interview with Richard Armitage and four Empire journalists nattering away like idiots. See you then. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>